0: Hi Katie.
1: Welcome to Have You Ever Heard Of? A history podcast.
0: we talk about stuff from history you may or may not have heard of.
1: I didn't think you're gonna have heard of this person but you would have heard of the the area that I'm talking about so.
0: Cool I'm excited.
1: How are you doing? Yeah
0: not too bad. I had something to talk about but I can't remember what it was now.
1: (laughs) Maybe by the end you'll remember. (laughs) How are you doing? I am fabulous. Me and my boyfriend got some cheap latitude tickets. Very so nice. next weekend we'll be going to latitude, which is really exciting. Oh
0: cool.
1: Is it like a tester event? Yeah. So they don't have like masks or social distancing. Everyone has to have either a double vaccine or a that day lateral flow test uh-huh. recorded on the app. So it's not like you can be like, oh yeah, I did it one. You have to actually record it on the app. So hopefully it'll be good. Is it <laughs> and... one of those
0: uh, like reduced capacity festivals? No. Doing the full Thing. Full
1: latitude, yeah. Which latitude is is a smaller festival yeah, than yeah, like yeah. Glastonbury. So it won't be as insane as like going to one of those. And this weekend, we're having a barbecue on Sunday, which hopefully you'll be able to make it to if you're not too hungover. It's
0: going to be. Hunger <laughs> might be in the state.
1: And it's going to be like 29 degrees. I know, so. yeah.
0: It's Australia temperatures. It's going to be really sunny. <laughs>
1: Uh, Should we get to it?
0: Let's do it. Let's talk about history.
1: Okay, so, have you ever heard of Bessie Blount?
0: Sorry, who?
1: Bessie Blount. (laughs) Bessie
0: Blount. That is an amazing name. (laughs) Uh, I have not.
1: No, I didn't think you would have done. Though you would have... You definitely know who this person is, you just probably don't know, like, (laughs) their name and stuff. So, Bessie Blount, a.k.a. Elizabeth Blount. I'm going to start, and then about... A little way through, you're going to work out who she is, right? Uh, Bessie, I'm going to call her Bessie and Elizabeth, like, kind of mixed up, so hopefully you won't <laughs> get um, confused. Bessie was born around 1500, so some say it's 1498, um, some say it's 1500, and some even say it's 1501. So let's just say around 1500, and we don't know, like, the day. We don't know, it's like, you know... 5th of May or whatever, we just know it was around then Records
0: weren't that good back then
1: No, I think they started Officially in like 15 I want to say 15 <laughs> Like 67 or something It's definitely Tudor it yeah. was p- Like part of the Reformation yeah, um, like So unfortunately She just missed the boat there <laughs>
0: Waste in the 14s are still essentially in the Dark Ages
1: Yeah, though we did have the Doomsday book That is but, true, um, yeah yeah, I mean,
0: took a while to no ramp that sort of records. record keeping up a bit, though.
1: So Blount was the daughter of Sir John Blount and Catherine Perschel of Kinglet, which is in Shropshire. So her parents are like gentry, basically. They married at a very early age. In fact, her mother was like—I've heard different conflicting stories. But some say she was as early as... She was as young as 10 years old when they were married. Or potentially even younger. They were definitely at least betrothed from childhood. But yeah, I think she must have been around 10.
0: So we're talking like young, even for those times.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't... I heard that like the legal age in Tudors was like 12. I don't think there is an actual legal age in Tudors. I think it was just like... Whenever, <laughs>
0: twelve. But then, insanity. what would happen is they would
1: marry, but then they wouldn't live together until like, you know, they were adolescents. Okay, but then. still, dodge. Okay, so Sir John Blunt, Bessie's father, was a loyal servant to the English royal family. He accompanied King Henry to France in fifteen thirteen when he waged war on Louis the twelfth of France, and this is what King Henry the seventh. I mean,
0: okay. That's kind of interesting that he went to war against France because didn't he, like, hide in France until he took over?
1: Henry Seventh, Yeah. Henry Tudor? Yeah. Very potentially. I, I don't mean, know much yeah. about the War of the Roses, to be honest.
0: Britain and, like, France's relationship is so weird.
1: It is weird. There, there's a book, I can't remember who it's about, it's called A Hundred Years of Fighting the French. Or yeah. no, A Thousand Years of Fighting the French.
0: <laughs> That's more like it.
1: Yeah. And, um... <laughs> I have it somewhere, uh, it was a long time ago it was published, it's literally just like we're friends, we're not, we're friends, we're not we're friends, we're not, and it's like, just pick a side anyway.
0: A really, really, really um, good book about like the relationship between France and Britain during World War Two, like the beginning of World War Two, and it's just, it's hilarious how much the two countries fucking hate each other
1: I'm just like, I guess we'll help you out I guess this is
0: how Okay, so in 1501
1: Prince Arthur and Catherine of Aragon set up their own court in Ludlow. So let's all remember that Henry VIII was never meant to be king. He was yeah. the second child. Prince Arthur, which would have been just Prince Arthur I, I guess. King Arthur I, <laughs> um, Would have been the king, but unfortunately he died as an adolescent. So hence we have Henry VIII. He
0: just wanted to be a playboy. That's all he wanted. He really
1: did. And he wasn't even educated to be king. I feel sorry really.
0: for him. You just his party at. Don't off. feel sorry for him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so we've got um, Arthur and Catherine of Aragon. If you didn't know, Catherine of Aragon was married to Henry's brother before she was married to Henry. Um, set up a court at Ludlow. Catherine, Blout, as in Elizabeth's mother, became one of Catherine's ladies-in-waiting. So ladies-in-waiting, okay. we'll have a bit more explanation of, but they're basically just like women who fanny around at court. is <laughs> <It's> essentially <laughs> how to describe it. So, um, unfortunately, on the 2nd of April 1502, Prince Arthur died. And this was a big blow for the Blounts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. So, basically, this was a massive deal because they had put a lot of effort and time into getting in with Arthur and Catherine and now Arthur wasn't going to be king.
0: Oh, that worked! So, That's as
1: nothing. Uh, Kelly Hart, who is the author author of *The Mistresses of Henry VIII*, pointed out, in 1502, Prince Arthur died, leaving his brother, eleven-year-old Henry, as heir apparent, and Catherine of Aragon as an unwanted widow. The Blount's chance of advancement seems to have come to nothing. The Court of Lardot was disbanded and all the attendants, including the Blounts, had to petition anyone of influence for a place at court or else return to the countryside.
0: Oh man, so it's like what
1: a, it's what like, a trifle that would have been, having to go to the countryside. So
0: basically it's like being made redundant having to reapply for your own job.
1: Yeah, basically. Which is like,
0: the worst thing in the world.
1: <laughs> well, because Catherine of Aragon was no longer like princess of wales, or what we would call princess of wales, um they she she was just like a random spanish princess. <laughs> <laughs> like she didn't have a court. So, but as we know, don't worry, she's going to get one. So when this happened, this was around the time that either Elizabeth was born or she was like 2 years old depending on when we think her actual birthday was. She basically at this time would have been educated to be a courtier from birth. She would have been learning instruments, singing, dancing, basically learning how to be like entertaining. (laughs) Be like, okay, we're going to teach you how to be like fun.
0: How to be a performing Um, monkey.
1: (laughs) Essentially, in a dress. (laughs) It was probably a distant branch of the family tree, the Mountjoy Blounts, who helped the family after this. William, aka the Baron Mountjoy Blount, was Queen Elizabeth's—sorry, uh, Queen Catherine's chamberlain and a close friend of the king. So it may have been him who secured a place for Elizabeth at court. So obviously, at this point, Henry VIII becomes king. He marries Catherine of Aragon. So now Catherine is back in court and needs ladies in waiting again. Okay then and by this time Bessie is old enough to go to court so when Bessie first goes to court she's of a lower rank kind of like a hanger-on hoping to get an official position as opposed to just like chilling out at court
0: so she's like not one of the plastics she just wants to be in the plastics
1: exactly yeah <laughs> but when she was 12 or 13 which is like 15 14 she becomes a maid of honor to Catherine of Aragon, and records show that she earned hundreds of shillings. Yeah, is that good? It's like a fiver, but not like a fiver in our money. If that makes sense, okay, then. like
0: so, it'd be like. Do you know what I mean? So, like, counting. So, it's not bad then. It's good. If it's good. That, yeah, yeah.
1: But it's um, it's not necessarily even really needed because she's got a roof over her head, aka wherever Catherine of Aragon is. So if she's at Greenwich or if she's at Chelsea, if she's at wherever. Um, and then she's got a bed, she's got food, she's got fun. She's just living...
0: She's living all-inclusive. With a little bit of extra money She It is an top.
1: all-inclusive package deal. Very
0: nice. So,
1: um, this was a very much-desired position and she must have possessed all the qualities that were expected of a lady at court. She was beautiful, gracious, had good manners. She would not have been... Selected unless she could play an instrument, dance, and was able to sing and perform in public, like I said. She also claimed that she wrote her own music, which is very talented.
0: Nice. Now I'm just like imagining her like playing like a shredding solo on a lute.
1: <laughs> yeah. She was, um, she was like, <laughs> You know, like November Rain, the slash yeah. solo. That was her. Okay. Don't quote me on that. Okay. so So she must have. Also impressed the Queen herself because she was the one that chose the ladies. So that's, that's good stuff. Bessie was described at the time by the Dean of Worcester. Renowned for her skill in music and dancing, she was a frequent player in court masks. So do you know what a mask is?
0: So it's kind of like the masquerade things with the, like this little stick. Go, it's, it, that's
1: like derived from this. Okay, so then. a mask is basically just like a play.
0: Uh, and they okay. would
1: take classical stories like, I don't know, Helen of Troy or whatever, or um, Henry VIII's, like, favourite one was Robin Hood, and they would, like, put on masks and costumes and act it out, and everyone had a good time.
0: Excellent. Does sound like a good time.
1: As a lady of the court, she would have spent her time sewing, either for the poor or for masks. When the country was at war, she would sew flags, or she would make, like, um, patches for the soldiers,
0: eye patches
1: not patches like like square patches but patches like I don't know oh you
0: mean like um, rank badges and stuff yeah 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 yeah
1: Um, (laughs) (laughs) she would pray with the queen be at mass Um, obviously Queen Catherine was a very uh, loyal catholic so that's what they did too. Also, at this time, they were allowed to read books, either on religion or classics. These were the only ones that were allowed. Anything else might stretch a tiny woman brain. Oh, geez. And we don't want them to be like, you know, reading any other anything else, do we? They might get ideas above their station. It's so
0: bad that at some point it weren't allowed books. Only certain ones for you.
1: We weren't allowed trousers at this point, Dad. <laughs> never mind <allowed> books. <laughs> Let's start with trousers, alright? Oh, man. So Bessie seemed to be educated more than some of the other ladies. She actually owned texts in English and in Latin. So, obviously, she can read both. She would have also had some menial tasks, but these were in the service of the Queen, and that wasn't seen as like being below her
0: because okay. of who
1: they were for. What sort of menial are we talking here? Well, they would serve the queen's dinner for one thing, okay, and things like you know getting her dressed,
0: Washing oh, yeah, her yeah, hair, that yeah. kind,
1: that kind of, that kind so of that's thing, not really bad. changing her bed sheets. It could be worse. You know. Yeah, like it definitely of, really like, could be worse.
0: With like chamber pots or anything like that.
1: No, no, no. Like more like few. Yeah, more like getting her ready for stuff. Also, they she would go hunting with the royal couple, go to like you know. Big banquets, etc. Um, would the she be allowed to some... hunt herself
0: or just attend the hunting?
1: No, it would just be attending.
0: No bow and arrow, but... arrow for her. <laughs>
1: bow and arrow. <laughs> her just there, there with her loot and her bow and arrow. <laughs> the ladies would also sometimes gamble at cards um, and they would act as messengers between the king and queen. So if they want to send like frisky notes, yeah. they could send them with either the lady or the lord. These tasks also prevented the ladies from spending too much time gossiping, which they did a lot. And they didn't want them to gossip too much because they reflected on the reputation of the Queen. So, as a lady in waiting, you're supposed to be like virtuous and stuff, which they definitely weren't. And we're just coming on to that now. <laughs> <laughs> also, there's no portrait of her in existence that we know of. So, there I've seen around the internet like a picture of like a generic tudor woman yeah and they're like you know Bessie blount and (laughs) and i'm like that's might be her (laughs) but we don't know for sure so yeah don't look at internet and be like oh that's her because we don't actually know love affairs were common in tudor court even having to share bedrooms didn't stop them Basically no one slept alone. Even the king had a man sleeping in his room with him for security, sometimes on a bed or sometimes even in his bed with him <laughs> if the queen wasn't there.
0: That's dedication.
1: That is dedication to security. <laughs> like usually there would be a woman or or two sleeping in Catherine's room with her in the queen in the queen's room with her. Um and so- and the rest of the ladies would sleep together in another room. Which would be like linked up with that room. But that didn't stop them. Yeah, they just went ahead with their love affairs. Um, when we say like love affairs, we say this because affairs in Tudor Court were romantic. They were like gifts and songs and love and holding hands. Because most marriages at that time were marriages of convenience or money, hmm. so they would have affairs and they would be incredibly romantic. They would send a lot of gifts, like jewelry, write poems or songs, and this was a sign that they were interested in a particular lady. I think you can tell where this is going. <laughs> so, at this time, Henry VIII was probably having an affair or trying to have an affair with one of his friend's wives, also called Elizabeth, Elizabeth Carew, and he had sent her gifts. And there are letters that suggest that there was like an affection between them. And it is also suggested that the the husband. Nicholas Carew like set up meetings between them, <laughs> like he wanted to be in the king's favor, so he was like, like, "Yeah, sure, have an affair <laughs> with my wife. Don't worry about it," because he was also probably having an affair with someone else. So, like, it's it's super rare that like you could marry f- yeah, for yeah. love, and this is the time when people started to want to marry for love because romance was now a thing.
0: Yeah, you'd have to be like incredibly lucky that your match
1: yeah actually, like compatible like, um, in some way. I'm going to go with Catherine Parr and Thomas Seymour post Henry VIII. That's a love match, yeah. right? And unfortunately, they only got a year together, but still. Henry VIII first became aware of Bessie at a mask in 1514. And apparently this was during the Twelfth Night celebrations. Obviously, I wasn't there. I don't know if this is true. <laughs> this is just what I've read. Henry VIII was born in 1491, which means he's about 7 to 10 years older than Bessie. She was a superb dancer and had a pretty singing voice. So she was like always in high spirits and this matched like the king's high spirits during these masks, so he noticed her. According to Philippa Jones, author of The Other Tudors, Henry VIII's Mistresses and Bastards, he fell in love with her straight away. She says, Henry's first big extra romance came in 1514 when he fell in love with Bessie Blount. She was his ideal woman, young, pretty, intelligent, well-raised, musical, an enthusiastic rider and a graceful dancer. While Catherine remained his wife and future mother of his heir, Henry was no longer deeply in love with her. It was a very short time that Bessie Blount came to mean everything to him.
0: Ooh, bit of an obsession growing here.
1: Well, I think we can say obsession is Anne Boleyn. This is more like his first foray okay <laughs> to affairdom. <then. laughs> the first evidence of their relationship came when, in July 1514, Bess's father was given 146 pounds mm. by Henry.
0: Big monies.
1: Big monies. Then, two months later, the affair was referred to in a letter from Charles Brandon, Duke of Suffolk, to Henry. At the time, it was also mentioned by Fray Diego Fernandez, a close associate of Catherine of Aragorn. However, Henry was good at keeping his infidelity secret and very few people knew about his affair with the young Bessie Blount. Henry at this point, he was still young. He was in good shape. You're imagining that that portrait of him where he's like big. That's not what he looked like at this time. He is still young. He's wearing those
0: tights well. Early
1: 20s. (laughs) Yeah, he was wearing the shit out of those tights. He was described as handsome and, of course, he was the king. He was rich and famous. He, she was probably well up for it. <laughs> okay, so Blount's relationship with Henry VIII lasted some time compared to his other affairs which were generally short-lived and also unacknowledged. During their time of their affair, Queen Catherine was either pregnant or had just given birth or miscarried and therefore was quote-unquote sexually unavailable. So Mary, the the first, was obviously born in 1516, but around that there were other pregnancies that either didn't come to fruition or were miscarriages or stillbirths. So there's all sorts going on with Catherine. However, in terms of Bessie, on the 15th of June, 1519, Blout bore the king an illegitimate son who was named Henry Fitzroy. Fitzroy actually means son of king. No wonder. why lie. Later, he was created Duke of Richmond and Somerset and then Earl of Nottingham as well. As David Starkey, the great David Starkey, pointed out, Henry recognised the boy and created him Duke of Richmond, but the birth marked the beginning of the end of the love affair. Babies, Henry seems to have felt, were for wives and not mistresses who should inhabit more of an ethereal realm of chivalric fantasy. So, this is interesting because he is the only illegitimate son who the king actually acknowledged. And at one point, he was thinking he might even put him in the succession.
0: Yeah.
1: Because I he mean, was it, like, well, I've got a son. Yeah, it would solve <laughs> a lot
0: of problems.
1: <laughs> if he had just, like, married <laughs> Bessie. Anyway. Catherine herself was six months pregnant when Bessie became pregnant, and she must have noticed her maid's pregnancy. At this point, she was still her lady-in-waiting, and people knew about the affair, so she was like, oh, great. And she was probably absolutely devastated when she gave birth to a healthy boy, which Catherine hadn't been able to give Henry.
0: That's going to cause some friction.
1: Well, after the birth, the affair ended for unknown reasons – probably lasted a little after the birth, maybe up to three years, due to the fact that she didn't find a husband right away, which is probably what she, you know, needed to do now. In total, it's probably about eight years, the affair. Eight years? Okay,
0: that's quite Yeah, so like the longest one.
1: For proving that King Henry was capable of fathering healthy sons, Bessie Blount promoted a popular saying, Bless E... Bessie Blount, often heard during and after this period, Wait, she so she
0: <laughs> she popularised a, a saying about her.
1: Because people were like, "Oh, Henry can't have a son," and now she's proved that he can. So they're like, "Oh, okay, bless and e, bless ye, Blount." Oh, okay, then. Like, I
0: thought like you meant that she went around pushing it, just like talking about herself in the third person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> bless me. <laughs> Philippa Jones, who I mentioned before, has argued that this affair and its outcome taught Henry VIII a valuable lesson. Incredibly valuable. (laughs) That from then on, his mistresses had husbands and could hide any child born to such a relationship. For example, his next next mistress, who was Mary Boleyn, was encouraged to marry William Carey, a gentleman of the Privy Chamber. And also, Mary did have a son. He was probably Henry's, but because she was married to William Carey, it's just like yeah,
0: easier. So yeah,
1: Henry attended the Mary Berlin and Carey's wedding and gave them several grants and stuff. Some say that his affair with Mary Berlin might have actually been partly the reason for Blount's dismissal, but there's no actual evidence for that. Like Blount, Berlin was never formally recognised as the mistress. The only person to ever be offered. The position of an actual mistress, which is something that just blows my mind. That you can be like, I have a wife and a mistress, an official Am- position, yeah. <laughs> was Amberlynn, but she turned it down. It's also said that Bessie's parents probably called to testify in the case against Catherine Aragon when they were trying to get the divorce done, so they're still like in favor. All
0: right.
1: Okay, so let's go to after her affair with Henry. So in 1522, Blount entered an arranged marriage with Gilbert Tailboys, who's the first baron of Tailboys, whose family is said to have some sort of history of insanity.
0: Oh man, so this is going?
1: Gilbert had come <laughs> nowhere, really. <laughs> Gilbert <laughs> had become a ward of the crown after his father declared lunatic in 1517, to match was maybe envisioned by the king as a reward to his former mistress because he like knew him and he granted Bessie a property worth £200 a year for the rest of her life. It may have also been Cardinal Wolsey's doing as Tailboys was in the household of Wolsey. After the marriage, Blount doesn't figure much in the day-to-day affairs of Tudor monarchy or in the official records. I know that she's said to have gone to court but um Probably not as a lady, just as like hanging out. A fleeting comment was made about her in fifteen twenty nine, when a palace chaplain remarked that she was or had been better looking than Henry's then fiance Anne Boleyn, who he concluded was a competent belle in her own right. Unfortunately, on the twenty third of july fifteen thirty six, Blount's son Henry Fitzroy died, probably of tuberculosis. Aka consumption.
0: Oh, the old consumption.
1: Yeah. So, some historians have argued that he had been in poor health for some time and died of tuberculosis, but others disagree with this interpretation, and have suggested that he might have died of pneumonic plague because of the speed that he died, um, because the symptoms matched up. Mm-hmm. However. There are other people who think that there was a possibility of something untoward that went on. Some say that there was that Henry VIII discovered that his son had was involved in a conspiracy against him. That with Jane Seymour's pregnancy, he had felt threatened, and he had like wanted to team up with some. Like people.
0: So how, how old was the uh, was old at this Ronson? point? He's
1: like an ad- adolescent. He's like in his teens. But I just I don't I don't buy it. Yeah. I think that he just died of TB. <laughs> I think this is like trumped up. I guess
0: the, I think I guess that them young teens did uh, engage in that sort of stuff at that point. It wasn't like Henry the Seventh pretty young when that all kicked off?
1: Yeah, it is true, but. Henry Ball was definitely inconsolable op- upon the death of this son. He ordered a quick private funeral and he wanted his dead son's corpse to take him far away from him. There's a wooden coffin it was hidden in straw and taken in secret to be quietly laid and rest some distance from the capital and he was buried at Thetford Priory. So he was obviously like upset.
0: Yeah. But maybe he's upset because he had to kill him.
1: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that you're taking your board this conspiracy theory. <laughs> I
0: love a conspiracy theory.
1: Basically, support for that theory that he was involved in a conspiracy comes from the Pilgrimage of Grace uprising that ta- took two that took place two months later. Would he have supported this action if he had been alive? Did Henry believe his son had been actively involved in the disturbance? certainly supporters did come from tailboys lands and leaders included bessie blount's son-in-law so maybe mm. but yeah again not convinced that quote comes from the other tudors henry dates mr ok so yeah, yeah, yeah. okay so bessie's husband gilbert lord of tailboys also predeceased her dying in 1530 but leaving her a widow of very comfortable means by her marriage to the tailboys to tell boys, she had father children, two sons, George and Robert, and a daughter, also called Elizabeth, because no one has any imagination None. in Tudor Times.
0: You need to create clones back then, that's what they had to do.
1: Though I have to say, the number one, I looked this up the other day, the number one female name in Tudor Times was actually June. Really? Are, it's just like, you would have think Henry had had one, yeah. one wife called Jean. I
0: haven't come across any Jeans in is uh, Isn't
1: that weird?
0: In any of the Tudor texts I've uh, read. Yeah, that is weird.
1: It's always like, but I think that's probably because like it's all the kind of lower down classes.
0: Jean always just makes you think of uh, how Hamo's Tale now. The ever increasing poor decisions of Jean is what they should have renamed that show to.
1: <laughs> well did you know that margaret atwood never actually named her june yeah it was the fans that realized she must have been called june because of the people that were named in the first chapter and then like one of them was never renamed or something anyway i've been watching masterclasses by <laughs> margaret atwood okay um so uh, after this, she was unsuccessfully tried to be wooed by uh, Leonard Grey. However, she subsequently married a younger man whose Lincolnshire lands adjoined hers, Edward Fynes, 9th Baron of Clinton, thus becoming Elizabeth Fynes.
0: She got herself A toy boy.
1: Yeah. Hang on, they related Grace to like Bessie.
0: the Fynes acting dynasty.
1: As in Ralph Fynes. Yeah. Maybe. Because
0: they're pretty aristocratic, aren't they? They are.
1: Have you heard his full name?
0: Uh, I've read it somewhere on Wikipedia, I think.
1: It's uh Ralph Nathaniel Twistletown Wyckman Finds. <laughs> and and like Twistletown Wyckham t- Finds are all hyphenated.
0: That is amazing.
1: So they were married sometime between fifteen thirty three and fifteen thirty-five, and this union produced daughters. For a short while, she was lady in waiting to Henry's fourth wife, Anne of Cleves, but due to her own health problem, she left the Queen's service around the time the royal marriage was dissolved and did not serve Anne's successor Catherine Howard. Poor old Catherine Howard. Blount returned to her husband's estates where she died shortly afterwards. It has been traditionally asserted that her death was caused by consumption. Oh man, course.
0: everyone gets consumption
1: yeah i mean Concession,
0: like gout dropsy it's one of them isn't it That's
1: is horrible anyway all the sweating sickness which sounds oh, man. pretty much like covid
0: <laughs> covid before it was cool
1: <laughs> covid before it was vaccinable get your vaccine <laughs> everyone so why is so important you i hear you cry compared with henry's first two wives Blout's importance is negligible. Okay, so Catherine is zero important. She was married to Henry for twenty-four years, and is important because that's essentially why he broke from the yeah. church. Um Blout's importance isn't very much. However, she was certainly more important than any of his other mistresses that he had, at least during his first marriage. Blout was the mother of Henry's only acknowledged illegitimate child and at one point in the 1520s or suggested her son would be named the king's legal heir although nothing came of these plans and Blout had little to do with her son's upbringing the fact that she was the mother of such an important child made her an object of interest to many of her contemporaries
0: did she have much like influence because like so many mistresses throughout history have kind of had like quite a lot of influence over um
1: well he, like she policy. was really young at yeah. the time. She was like thirteen,
0: oh, okay or then. fourteen, oh, when they
1: when they first like got together. I remember that. So I don't think so. <laughs> um, but one really important thing that happened is that because she produced a son, that convinced Henry that the fact that Catherine wasn't having sons was her fault. And not his.
0: Okay then.
1: Which obviously bolstered his want to divorce her and marry someone else, aka Anne Boleyn. So the fact that she had a son really just like spurred on his trumped up belief that it was all Catherine's fault.
0: Surely it would have just been easier for him to just marry her.
1: Yeah, I mean obviously he couldn't because even if he had married her the son would have still been illegitimate because it
0: was yeah okay then yeah because it was
1: uh, but um Catherine of Aragon did actually have at least three boys but only one of them lived after birth and that was only for 7 weeks. So in fact her first first child was a son and but he died after 7 weeks. So that's what the importance of Bessie Blount, really, is that if she had had a daughter, he may have realised there was something, like, it was just, yeah. there's no, there's no difference between a son and a daughter, yeah, really. Yeah. it's like, random. It's not like, oh, you can't give birth to sons. It's like, well, it doesn't, I mean, there is like some genetics there, but I think it's very, very minimal. And who cares, anyway? <laughs> Like if he could look down, well, actually probably up on us, and and <laughs> look at what like Elizabeth the first did in comparison to Edward, I think he would be pretty shook, you know.
0: I guess like when uh, having offspring and marrying is just basically like currency, it's just going to create like fucked up situations.
1: Yeah. So that's Bessie Blount, the king's mistress first mistress. Most important mistress. Actually, I guess most important mistress is Anne Boleyn. But I guess she was also wife, so most important mistress that didn't later become a wife.
0: (laughs) Very nice.
1: I have recently finished the Six Tudor to Queen series by Alison Weir. So the last one is obviously Catherine Parr. She's very interesting. She's like the, I think she was like the first, don't quote me on this, the first woman to have a book published under her name in the UK or something. Okay. She did like a translation of Psalms or something, which was pretty cool. And she had four husbands, Henry being the third.
0: Oh, wow. She did almost as well as, uh, as
1: Henry. Well, the others, the other first two died of natural causes. <laughs> she didn't so. behead any of them. <laughs> and she had, um, she had no children of her own. She had two stepchildren by the second one. And also Henry's children called her mother. And at one point, so he wanted to name her regent to Edward. But the men, the men took it away Don't from her. <laughs> but she ended her life in her, her love match with Thomas Seymour. So, I'm happy for her.
0: Oh, yeah, at least she a Also, happy
1: areas. fan of Cleves because she's the one that did the best out of all the marriages. Yeah. Oh, see episode three? She did do Two? this. Three? See? Two, I think. She's one of those early ones. <laughs> we should redo them. <laughs> what are you doing this evening?
0: This evening, I am probably going to watch Ozarks. Ozarks? Nice.
1: Everyone in the world tells me to watch Ozark. Literally good. everyone. People on the street stop me and they're like, watch Ozark. <laughs> it's and kind I of like,
0: it has a, done? It has like a, a bit of a Breaking Bad esque-ness mm. to it.
1: I don't know if I'm ready for another Breaking Bad type show. I just want to watch James May in Japan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: James <laughs> That's May like my in Japan.
1: Level of. Um, <laughs> level of, like, intelligence. Though so I'm still, for some reason, watching Love Island, even though it's really boring this year.
0: Yeah, I've heard it's not it's not fantastic. I just well, want Casemar more, more, like, yeah.
1: desperately. I'm desperate for Casemar more. What else um, is good I at the
0: moment? Oh, there's a good documentary at the moment it's called uh, World War II Frontlines.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Which is about World War II.
1: I, that's really, like I really it? watch. <laughs> I just
0: watch World War Two documentaries. That's what I spend my life doing. I just uh, watch...
1: Jenny Nicholson on YouTube. just I just watch her, like, just rewatch all of her stuff. She's the only person that I support on Patreon. Because <laughs> I need more Jenny Nicholson in my life. One, one a month is just not enough. If you've never seen a Jenny Nicholson video, everyone, please go to her YouTube. I would suggest the one that's... It's called, like, the worst reality television ever. And it's about this, this reality TV show. But she's just wonderful. She's just this amazing adorable really intelligent but also brained nerd who does like numbered lists of things and she put out one a couple of months ago that was a two and a half hour (laughs) video (laughs) explaining the whole of the vampire diaries and i've already (laughs) watched it twice and it's just wonderful
0: through just like a ridiculous numbered list yeah like it (laughs)
1: Um. yeah she's really great so go and watch Jenny Lockerson as my recommendation and Dan's as Ozark
0: Ozark and
1: Ozark on Netflix on Netflix okay and also I recommend that you subscribe to this podcast right here wherever you are thank you for all of your reviews so far if you could do that again. That would be amazing. Just click on the five stars if you want. No pressure. It takes two seconds, and it really helps us with the algorithm.
0: Yes, it does. Write a review, and we'll give you a shout out on the podcast if you do.
1: Yeah, if you want one. Yeah, again, if you want, no one, you might.
0: Yeah, you <laughs> might Another like anim- anonymity, and that is fine.
1: <laughs> also fine. Um and follow us on social media at have Ever pod that's twitter and instagram um we're terrible at both but we are there and we will be there <laughs> sometimes <laughs> not very often at least once a week
0: i'll see you next time
1: bye bye